welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast dedicated to bringing you all of the stories from behind the scenes of the music industry. I'm Tiana, and let's kick off with episode two, Finding the Balance. Well, my guest today needs very little introduction, but I'm doing it anyway. As one half of the blistering guitar department in Brisbane Prog Awards Caligula's Horse, he's also a visual artist and filmmaker, plus the host of his very own podcast, The Major Lift. A man highly sought after, not just for his skills on stage, but also behind the camera and beyond. There's very little this gentleman can't do. But how does he balance his colours and his time with such a hectic creative schedule? Well, let's find out. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands and your hooves together for the incomparable Adrian Golby. Hello, Adrian. Hi, everything you just said is a lie. And um, it's not going to cut together properly now, so you shouldn't have told me you were going to do a nice intro. Well, it might not be nice. Yeah, no, you can. I guess you've got hindsight after this. Mm, we, yeah, it's pending. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me on. Have you told me the name of the show yet? I don't know. I have actually named it Behind the Soundcheck because I'm talking about stuff that happens beyond what people see, and you know that whole kind of thing of it's just the band doing their thing so statistically i've seen you at more sound checks than almost any other place so this seems appropriate <laughs> it works story checks out <laughs> you're like a, you're like a house cat of sound checks i am i am there's no scratching posts at sound checks though it's outrageous bullshit there absolutely is well i scratched the carpet and i got in trouble so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's sticky and they should get rid of it yeah i've been banned from a few venues now <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm very excited to be on the first premiere season. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about the band. Is that? Is that oh no, you it? can absolutely if you want to. <laughs> um, but if you say Caligula's or horse, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just end this call. So, no, that's that's fine. I mean, I like the guys that that I convince everyone that I'm not in a band by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Operation Adrian does not play in a band. <laughs> Obviously, a whole heap of people locally and internationally know and love you for your guitar licks and hair flicks on stage with Caligula's Horse, but you do have many, many strings to your bow and guitars, and some of those strings obviously expand out into the visual world and beyond, and I believe prior to joining Seahorse, you were actually working quite heavily with them on the video side of things, and I guess starting with that, I suppose a fitting question to begin with is what came first for you, music or more of this video stuff? When I actually think back and reflect on my life, as you can't help but do when you, you know, tell yourself your narrative every single morning and follow through with it, I realize that they've been intertwined kind of forever. I think we've all done the taping rage on VHS thing. That's still all too real. And that's still really how I came across a lot of bands. So those those images that are first delivered to you about what a band looks like or how they perform or what they're trying to tell you. They've always they've always gone hand in hand, but I didn't really recognize that somewhat belligerent belligerently. But if I think back to maybe 17 or 18, I, I was so anti-film. I couldn't even tell you how many things I didn't like, but it was typical thrash kid. Just like, what's that? Fuck that. Establishment? No. <laughs> so, whatever that is, the Twisted Sister video told me how to fuck them. No, phrasing. So when I would, I don't know, just videotape those things and watch them over and over and over and over. I think I was cultivating that. I always think about it as a false synesthesia. And it only, it took me till maybe six or seven years ago to recognize that I had a pretty deep interest in it. I mean, what I'm 
sort of surprised about the older I get is the more I'm just fulfilling this stereotype of, <laughs> of like a neurotic artist who's into music. When I sit there and I'm having these really stupid conversations out loud about what I think about that particular type of blue, I just go, how did I, how did I get here? And why am I such a cliche? And, you know, short of picking up my beret and starting a YouTube channel about it, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I got here, but I'm also not surprised, at the same time surprised that I never acknowledged it earlier. So now I wake up and I think, holy shit, I'm, I'm an artist. <laughs> what? Did you study art or, you know, any audiovisual stuff back in the day? Or did you, is it something that because you were so kind of seemed to be inherently talented at it, you just fell into it? Uh, I mean... Inherently talented is kind of a, a funny way to put it because I'm inherently specific about the way that I'm lazy about stuff. So all of my all of the art things, I'm just making up the procedures for the most part. But I did actually go to university um, to do film and television, which I never quite finished the bachelor. But the more I got into it, the I think the more that thrash kid in me was like, "Fuck this establishment! I don't want any rules." and I mean, to be honest, when it, when I really think back on that, it was just once again just realizing it was this neurotic kind of young adult not being able to um, follow through with a lot of things. So I didn't finish that, but it did sort of introduce me to some of the workflows that are, are important and part of what I do now as far as producing. Even though I don't really like producing, I'm glad I did those classes and, and followed through with the assignments, even though it was sort of ambiguous what the assignment was actually for. And on the audio and music side of things, I never studied. And that is probably a lingering regret that I'll have for a while until I either fulfill that artistically, say through the band, or if I just bite the bullet and, and go do it. I mean, even even Josh, he's 30 million years old. Who fucking knows? He, um, <laughs> he's <laughs> statistically, statistically, he may listen to this. So I'll leave that as a treat. Yeah, um, totally. We'll bleep it. Oh yeah, please do that. We love and you, Josh. Sometimes it'd be good. Yeah, Tiana loves you. So if I, <laughs> Adrian, not if, so I, if I think, if I think about what he's doing as far as going to university and filling in his music holes at a, at a sort of an institution for it, I do the same thing now more than ever. So I'm right into piano playing, and right into music theory, and right into music science. I can't, I can't think of a better way to put it. But a lot of my time, I mean, the way I've structured today is wake up try to have the best morning possible which this morning was a disaster so yesterday might be a better example wake up do all the nice things go straight into say something like video editing and then half an hour break play piano do a process of work related things and then practice something on the guitar for 20 minutes while something renders i, I kind of go between those two lives interchangeably one fills in the other and it might be something like just filling in a, a dumb gap okay here's, here's a good one for you have you ever have you ever caught yourself not knowing some really basic principles of shit? Uh, you know, why the sky is blue or something like that? Yeah, pretty much on the regular. Pretty much on the regular. So if you sat there and it was your greatest interest in life, which at the moment is fill in the blank. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This goes two ways. Yeah, no, oh shit. Um, no, I'm exactly the same actually because I did some music stuff back in the day. So I've actually started relearning the piano and I am still have so many gaps in my knowledge. So it's like the musical technical side of it all for me. All right. I got, I got a little uh, gift to, um, to your music relearning. So this is something that I can't believe I never bothered to ask. 
And if anything, this kind of breaks any illusion that I might be some sort of expert musician. I just didn't understand how notes were made. I didn't, <laughs> I never thought, who invented this? Who standardized this shit? What, who, how did this even happen? How are we all using this toolbox and we've all agreed that it's good? And I, I mean, this was five sleepless nights in a row where I'm just sitting there going, hold on a second. I mean, I call myself a musician, but I don't, I don't even understand the principles of what, what a sound is and how they discovered that being a standard sound. So I got into the ratios of how notes were kind of separated out and then into the um, Pythagorean temperament. Tre- temperament. If I'm, it sounds like I'm talking about my asses because it's still so much bigger than me that I get so excited by that particular premise of learning because it's just such a fundamental, all of these things are so fundamental and that's what gets me excited. A lot of people say that I overthink things and that I think into things, but quite frankly, it's the only way that I learn. <laughs> and it's, it is kind of interesting because we take a lot of it for granted. I mean, you know, you press play on something and it's instant, like everything is so instantaneous in this day and age and we don't always strip it back to what what is happening and why is it happening. I'm a bit like that myself and I'm a massive dork and I will, I'm the kid in the library looking up stuff while everyone else is doing something fun because I'm really cool. <laughs> but <laughs> Wow. The coolest. Yeah. Thank, thanks for the support. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's interesting. Do you find that carries over into your visual stuff? Like you're obviously an animator as well as all the other stuff. Do you have that much passion with that side of things as well? Yeah, definitely. So I'm learning all new um, software at the moment, which is kind of like someone pulling the rug out from beneath you, but it also opens your eyes figuratively and I guess literally to some things that you never bothered to um, ask yourself. Why is this thing, this particular color was something that I've been asking myself a lot lately. And it got me into the deep end of uh, light wavelengths, absorption and scattering and, and how light meets our eyes through a chemical process, through just physics, chemistry, and then the the neural aspect of it that makes it work. And and anyone right now who's a chemist, physician, or whatever the fuck the last one, neurologist is probably going, this guy has no idea. But I, I have just enough of an idea now to be captivated by little things. And, and f- for what it's worth, that, that sort of little bit of presence can be quite nice when you start to, um, you know, if you can be prone to anxiety like we all are because we're all just granted infinite stimulus and no time to think about what's going on. I, I sit there and I'm just like, why is it surface reflective? Why do I perceive it as reflective? All those all those little questions that I just got to ask myself because I feel like I've finally kind of committed to the that stereotype, the artist stereotype. When you sit there and you're like, I don't know, fucking e-cig, whatever those people do. And you like breathe out and you contemplatively stare at, stare at a, a, a boat and you're just like, wow. You know, you know, I've kind of committed with your beret on. I hope. With oh yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, I do have a, I do have a red beret from Paris. Do you find then, you know, because you've become that way in your creative practices, do you find it hard to switch off? Like, can you watch a movie? Can you listen to music? Can you do any of this without analyzing everything? No, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely not. I am so one hundred and fifty percent into all the things that I'm thinking, um, albeit it might be fleeting like a hummingbird. <laughs> my, my attention is just like an insane flashlight running through the dark. Just I'll be concentrating on something with all of my every fiber and then next minute I'm standing outside going, how did I even, how did I even get here? I mean, it sounds like the ramblings of 
of an insane person. But honestly, the older I get, the more that I realize I'm fortunate to even get the opportunity to feel that sort of um, chaos. Well, I think that chaos is almost essential for a lot of creatives. I feel like, I mean, I don't know, that's a huge generalization to say it, but you know, that drive and that passion, like there's a reason why you pursue it. And there's a reason why you put up, like, it's not a normal lifestyle and it's a very odd way to be for a lot of people. But when you love what you do and you're so intrigued by it, like, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a necessity in a way to be a little bit mad. Yeah. And you know what? It's kind of, it's funny being in the group of people that I'm in. So not to, to stereotype anyone too much, but Sam is is just a, a huge presence to be around sometimes. I mean, you've, you've met him. I'm sure you kind of see the intensity of all of his thought. It's, it's quite admirable because if you sit there and you, and you consider what he's, what he's doing, it's, it's being just so, I guess, methodical and really, really thinks about the options. He said to me not long ago, the, the thing that he's the best at in the world is just being present. And I was just like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut up, Sam. Stop being good at things. <laughs> Stop remembering things. <laughs> you do. How dare you. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's good because it shatters that stereotype of, of the broken um, artist. If anything, it, it complements the, the stereotype of the, I guess, confident artist that, that is willing to be present and, and what that can lead you to if, I mean, for me, for example, sometimes I'll just catch myself playing random notes or I'll catch myself doing weird video shit. And although that's necessary, there's also that part of me that realized that I've lost connection with what I'm actually doing. I no longer, and this is something I've thought about recently, is having orientation in the room. Um, it's something I've kind of subtracted from, I guess, Sam Harris. Have, have you heard of Sam Harris before, the author? Yeah, I have actually. Have you seen his meditation courses? No, I've actually just started doing more meditation and I think that's where it's kept popping up. So that's on my list. Yeah, definitely. That, uh, honestly, that that app has been awesome. It was maybe even Dale who got me into it. We we did the first 50 days kind of together. Um, it's always nice to, to have a, a bro that you can be lame with because of the whole male stereotypes and, and meditation is so pervasive, especially when you grow up somewhat rural anyway that's a whole other thing but yeah the the orientation of of where i'm at has been something that i'm really focused on so if i'm changing a slider from zero to one in an art program i'm going why (laughs) why zero and one why is this scale zero to one not zero to 100 so i'll catch myself going how do i orient myself in this artistic space to make the decisions that I'm thinking about and with music it's I'm trying to focus more on everything going on and then pulling that apart and going what are the basis of these notes of these chords of this movement of this mood and and I guess likewise for other things I'm interested in say anatomy that's getting down to that fundamental and, and my partner Rachel she's just started science at, at UQ and she comes home with these fantastic insights into a micro world that I mean first of all you appreciate how much someone can learn in, in such a small space of time. But on the other hand, you get recentered all the time. So that's why I kind of like the idea of abandoning the insane artist and leading back around to someone that can just be in what they're doing to the, to the fullest degree. Well, and I feel like your work-life balance 
from the outside it's seems fucked. quite up. Is it but like how do you balance it? Because obviously Seahorse are doing massive things. You guys just went overseas. Like there's so much on the go. How the hell do you balance your creative projects and still keep that passion? Is it that desire to know so much about it that keeps you going? It's a good question. I'd have to say the work life balance is bad. Otherwise, um <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I I wouldn't be such a stressed out person. I mean, all the other things that I've said are good ideas, but I just can't quite reach them sometimes. So I'm still I'm still quite stressed. And you know, most days I'll wake up and um try to get up at four, four, five, and just have those first couple of hours of just total dedication to the me time that I require. And then the band stuff, when it happens, it happens all at once and it and it can absolutely override anything at a certain point. I, I remember, and this is a kind of a fun, fun anecdote, which really blends together those two worlds. So I'm doing a music video currently for The Glass Ocean, and it's a huge project. So think about every role that it requires to make, to make a movie uh, with VFX and with all the credits, just put my name next to it because I'm silly, except for, except for production, in which case that was awesome. But I was about to go into the shoot. The shoot was three days long. I'd shot listed everything. I'd storyboarded everything. And I hate doing all of those things. It sucks, but the story made me do it. I didn't have a choice. It was the only way I could think about it in that sort of lateral narrative sense. And as I was getting ready to to sort of pack it in for the afternoon, we got down to Sydney. We'd got everything ready. I get this frantic call from the Seahorse guys. Hey, something's happened with the South America tour. We need to have a meeting this second. And uh, something on fire in my room. <laughs> no, it's just awfully hazy in here. Okay, great. I've got incense because that's how I like to feel good. Did you call the fire brigade or are we all good? No, it's just, it's, I'm, I just started noticing the, um, it's called bloom in the room. I, I, there are many facets to that joke as well. Yeah. So we got this frantic phone call. Hey, this might be off. We've had this problem. I won't go into the particulars because I don't think I can. But anyway, what happened is it, it was just the edge of our seats. I mean, are we going overseas? What are we doing for those two weeks? How do I pay rent? How do I prioritize work leading up to that? What do I have to get ready? All those little steps of, I mean, some people might call it a work holiday. You can call it that. But of just of just being in that other life. And it's like you just you put on that, that other person that performs on stage and, and you take that away. You take it for a spin for a couple of weeks. It's kind of like my luxury car. And then, yeah, I was just sitting there and these phone calls kept coming through. And at a certain point, I couldn't balance it. I, I couldn't take any more phone calls because I had to go to the shoot. And um, it was just one of those things where it just went from zero to 100. And I think most people who've been in a band and most people who aren't in any bands anymore are the people who can kind of understand the um, the acceleration can just get totally out of control. But luckily, the sort of support network that we've constructed in the band has been really great for being open and honest about that. It's a, it's a not particularly egocentric band on, on that front. Hey man, I'm feeling really bad about myself. I'd love to talk to someone. Okay, let's have a chat, walk and talk. It's such a sensitive group of guys that, that understand that if you're on tour and you're, at, you're in a good relationship with each other, you're only going to have the best times ever. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Which isn't always, you know, the norm, but it is amazing to see that with you guys. And I guess it helps keep everything else afloat but 
on the flip side of that, when you're working with these bands and these artists, I mean, you've worked with so many bands. You've worked with, you know, friends. Obviously, you've done Voyager, you've done Neo Scaris, all those people, and your own band, not to mention. <laughs> but yeah, has there been times when you're dealing with people who you don't have that, you know, rapport with and that support network with when you put in that situation in that creative world? Has something gone to shit and you've had to kick into these different problem-solving skills and drawn on something when you're out, kind of a, not out of your element but in a slightly different creative element? I think a good way to approach this, as much as it pains me to admit, um, have you ever heard of those Myers-Briggs personality types? Yes. It's kind of popular and fashionable to put people into those those punnets at the moment, but I think it there are some aspects of it that are, are quite classic stereotypes. So I've done this thing a million times, always come up with the INFP personality type which is just sad boy frodo for like a better word and the way that i deal with groups of people is fairly patient as a rule it's just something that's always come quite naturally to me so it takes a lot to kind of fluster me um i tend to make good situations out of all the bad situations a good example of this and there are many many examples of things not going according to plan because that's what music videos are um would be Coming off one shoot in Melbourne with a band called Awesome Wells, we'd just shot for two days in a row. My partner and I were doing this long distance relationship for a long time and we had a small window to actually see each other after that shoot. So we just hung out all night, got home, had to get ready for the next shoot, went to the shoot and we were 17 hours in and I was shredded. I have no I have no words for that sort of tiredness apart from perhaps jet lag. You, you have that experience of don't know what time it is, my body's ruined, trying not to sleep. And the guys were starting to get down with how long the shoot was. And and instead of pulling the sort of rank card of, well, I'm more fucking tired than you guys, as rock guys do. I don't know if you've noticed that with all your interviews, just guys talking about how tired they are. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't like sleep for like seven fucking days. I've like, never oh, slept in my life. <laughs> take responsibility for your, for your sleeping. But I didn't. I was really irresponsible with this. It was really stupid. But instead of just being a huge hangry dickhead, I was like, if I can sprint, three times around the set, then you guys have to do another take straight away or else we're not going to finish this this shoot. So yeah, I just I just do stuff like that to try to make the situation palatable. Um, you know, I'm quite existential. And when I work with these groups of people, I, I always try to, I guess, give a bit of an experience. I mean, I cut, sometimes I feel like a, a slot machine that you just keep putting money into and spits out videos when you put in enough. And, and I hate that. I wish I could be one of those people that just gives art. I don't, I don't, do well with anything money related, which can be quite a hassle when you run your own business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there are just there are just no jobs that reward my shittiness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean it could be a key factor to staying afloat in a business, but I like your um uh slightly more hippie approach to it. <laughs> yeah. Or grassroots yeah, approach. Like- it's a grassroots, grassroots. approach. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that over hippie. I, I mean, I've had long hair since I started high school, so I got. I think I got the hippie thing forever. I, d- I had the hippie phase. Really? Oh, how many crystals did you wear? Oh, man, I was head to toe. I worked at Tree of Life and I would just come out smelling like incense and dripping in crystals oh. and I was just living the dream. Oh, shit. My, my, my partner quit Tree of Life like today-ish. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, even having a partner and, and doing this work away from home thing and then work all the time at home is massively stressful. You got to, there's all these balanced things that bite you in the ass faster. I mean, way faster than what, I don't know, but way faster than I expected. 
Well, because you're balancing so many things and then you actually have to be a human being and that's kind of the really tricky part because you can't, I don't know, I don't know if you feel the same and I'm not doing nearly as much as what you do, but I feel like you give, 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 do all this stuff and then you're like, oh, I've got like 1% left for everyone else. I think, I think I've definitely gone through this period of addition and subtraction as far as biting off too much, crashing, starting again, waking up, <laughs> biting off too much crashing starting again it's it's a definite cycle for me i mean um doing my podcast and doing my pt course it just has to go on the on the wayside right now there's just there's just no other option if we're going to write a good album produce all the good music videos for that and i'm going to make enough money to do that sort of thing then i've got to really prioritize what needs the most maintenance in order to continue so you know a, a 10 minutes is really powerful is i guess what i'm learning at the moment, if if a render takes 10 minutes, which is all I do at the moment, it's all I'll be doing today, do some things, render, do some things, render. That 10 minutes, maybe I'm, at the moment, I'm going over a book called The Advancing Guitarist, which is all about the basic principles of the mechanics of playing guitar. And 10 minutes of that is mind-numbing. So that's that's perfect. That's all I got room for. I do that sort of cycle until it hits 2 p.m., go to the gym. That's my only non-negotiable for the day because if I've learned anything being a, a sort of existential introverted hashtag artist is that I, I need to get out of my tiny little art box and, and go do stuff. I guess on that topic of the fitness stuff, I mean, you do have your own podcast, The Major Lift, obviously. And I don't know, from the t few times I've seen you, I mean, I've watched you, you know, literally throw your whole body into it on stage. I've watched you run down a flight of stairs, not breaking a sweat. And to this day, you were the only person who has taught me stretches backstage before a gig. I don't think anyone <laughs> can top that. Do you, do you have my resistance band? I can't find it after that. It was tied to the side. I've got a spare one, though. I'll give you that as a treat. No, no, it's it's all right. I, I actually want to make my own ones when I move into this world a little bit more. I mean, I'm I, I kind of grew up a bit of a chubby kid, and I've had some funny life experiences with with losing tons of weight and like uh, more cliche of of struggling with stress, eating disorder, all this like, plastic surgery, all sorts of crazy shit. And the whole problem with it is when we're given these images of people who. Uh, fit as fuck and uh, rub their oily abs, all that stuff that you do to, to someone and, and you think, my God, who has a time to do that? And then you're just like, I'll just work out really, 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 really hard. And, and if I do it lots, then you, then people will touch my sweaty abs too. And, and, <laughs> and I realize, shit, my personality actually doesn't reward me with, with any sort of dopamine hits for working out like that. I see it as punishment. I don't want to do it. So my whole thing with with fitness is I don't really like doing it with others. I like stretching with other people, but I don't, I'm not really competitive. So it just, if anything, it's extra stimulus I don't really want, um, which is why I want to work with introverts because I feel like I could respect an introvert's space and, and help them achieve their sort of like oddly small goals, but at the same time, huge personality flaws. That, that's what I think a lot of people are doing with their, with their fitness. It's a bit meta, I guess. I'm not really all in with that at the moment. I do five sessions a week and they go for 45 minutes maximum, but only because I work for myself. If I had to do a regular person job, whatever that is, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, commuting, even when I had to commute to uni, I would be, I'd act so reluctant. I had this really shitty attitude towards commuting because I didn't know how to use dead time. I wasn't really reading at that point. It's just, it's all a big growing up phase, isn't it? It's kind of sucks, but <laughs> it's necessary. 
Yeah, doing it, I guess. Like I, I'm not a team sport person. I like to work out by myself and it's that time away from a screen. It's that time where, and I do classes for that reason. Someone tells me what to do for an hour. I don't have to think. I just do. I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to be beholden to anyone except for myself for that one hour. And if I don't do it, man, I go crazy. Totally. You can do classes. That's that's something I've always been, I guess, afraid of or too self-conscious to to get into for whatever reason. It's tricky. <laughs> I finally reached the point where I can just pretend like no one else is there. Like, I don't know how. I think it's from working in retail. I used to pretend no one was there when I'd go down the shops and, you know, be all in my happy place. And I'd, I used to be like, oh, they're looking at me. They're going to think I'm weird and I'm doing this wrong and they're going to laugh. And now I just blink is on. Totally being the rudest person alive and ignoring everyone else there. <laughs> They're like, let's get a coffee after. I'm like, nope. No. No. <laughs> also, I'm going to fart way more next yoga session. Bye. Yeah, do so behind me. Yeah, you know, that that whole um, mentality around classes, I, I admire that, to be honest. If if I felt like I could, I could get my ass in there and have a good time instead of I mean, I would have nightmares about that situation, S- somewhat ironically, considering I perform in front of people. But it's different. It's a completely different environment. Like, you know, there is a way to, you can, you've almost got that barrier when you're performing that pe- you, the people are there and you're present, but it's a very different world to being standing around with a group of people and you're not in your comfort I zone, it, I think, as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I would actually put some pretty loaded words into describing um, why that is which is I think it's just control. I think artists like having control of things. That's why they they make their worlds and that's why I think it's why I like directing people because I, I would much rather collaborate than put myself in a position of just being told what to do. I mean, I blame Rage Against the Machine, but here we are. That whole controlling your your life thing is is a, a precious commodity that few people get to experience. I mean, I'm so freaking lucky to be able to just say, two o'clock, Jim, shut up, everyone shut up, no phone calls. No, not many people get to do that. It's it's very lucky. Well, no, it's it's an amazing thing, and it feels like you're making the most of it. So that's kind of admirable as well, because a lot of people wouldn't utilize the time as efficiently. And you can say all you like that you don't, but you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's a funny impasse at the moment because I always grew up feeling um, quite old in in my brain. A lot of people do. I know that, but I feel like if if anything. I feel way younger um, as a result. It's like those those paths finally crossed. I mean, I feel quite, I guess I feel like I can move fine. I feel like I can express myself. Being 29 is kind of nice because you are granted this weird sort of youthful authority and respect. It's like just on the on the cusp. If I was if I was doing the exact same thing, but I was 21, there would be a hint of cynicism and and I think I would be way less responsible with ego nonsense. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm finally crossing paths where these are the sort of these are the years that I've kind of been working towards. Um, they're the ones that'll be the most rewarding with artistic endeavors, learning endeavors, relationship endeavors, and then the band is literally a dream come true. Every single show that I do, mm. it just gets better and better and better. And every time I walk out on the stage and I'm, I'm just like, whoa, I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm yet to get, I'm yet to get teary from playing a show, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely emotionally, emotional currency to, to play those shows. Mm. Well, and many more to come, you hardworking gentlemen, you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait till, till next year. We've got a whole bunch of songs for an album and it's sounding 
bullshit because Sam's a maniac and getting to participate and sit in a room with with Sam while he's doing the thing he's the best of the world in just being present with his musical ideas is is definitely a um you know he at that moment I I just put him on that was it like the compass the compass of what I think a, a well-focused person should be doing and I, and I really do I really think that's an admirable trait all around mm. so I mean same thing with everyone in our generation right now I think we've really we've really rewarded ourselves to go Hey guys, you can actually do whatever you want. You know how you kind of grow up and everyone's like, you can do whatever you want. And then I think we're starting to go, fuck yeah, we can do whatever we want. How good is this? It's such a weird thing to arrive at because I was always like, it's just people saying that and you can't actually. And then I'm like, I woke up one day, I'm like, oh my God, I can. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) And your housemate just walks in on you, just peeing in the kitchen sink, and you're like, what? (laughs) I'm an adult. I do what I want. (laughs) I do what I These are all my particular belongings that i have and what whilst the sort of the war generations are sitting there in the 20s being like shit can i use a gum we're, we're sitting here in our 30s being like how do you sync all of your devices okay. <laughs> oh no i still need to do that jesus you just reminded me that's on my to-do list another fun I, rock and roll like night you're... for me <laughs> <laughs> well i won't keep you much yeah. longer because i know you have other things but i guess one thing i want to ask you as what i would describe a human creative cauldron when you go into these projects in particular, do you kind of just, I mean, obviously you storyboard, you do all this prep and stuff, but do you ever have like a little arsenal of ideas or just little things like as they come to you that you kind of keep track of, or do you just like to go into these completely fresh and approach it from that angle? I'm cultivating this skill called forced synesthesia. So sometimes I'll just put on the song and just loop it. This is specifically for music videos, other videos, it all depends what footage I get. But when I'm kind of in charge of, working um the band's idea into something bigger and and more artistic i will definitely sit there and be like what are the textures what are the aesthetic themes what are the is this something that needs negative space i'm 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 a big fan of it so i'm always trying to shoehorn that in but ultimately it's trying to fake this idea of of synesthesia and and this one time it's a great anecdote when i was doing the nebula viscaris video the guy sent me intravenous and i just sat there and listened to it a whole bunch took some notes down and just just fell asleep um, next day I had a meeting with Ma- uh, Zen Zenoya, and um, we're, we're chatting about these ideas and I'm like here's the storyboard that I imagined and he goes what the fuck this is, ex- this is exactly almost exactly what he planned and, and it kind of works you can kind of tap into this idea of this band does this and the advantage of doing that as a musician is you go that's a strong 12-8 what's going on with this or it seems like a 3-4 or this is this chord progression or this seems like the intention here and it makes it, yeah, fully false synesthetically, faux synesthesia. I actually have synesthesia, yeah. so I feel like we should have a Fuck synesthesia you. chat one really? time. <laughs> yeah. I Does my does my voice have a colour? If I was forced, but I feel like I'm being um, like tainted by your hair colour. I get an orange, but you've got a warmth yeah. about it and, yeah, it's Crazy. it's not, oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> But it's yeah, bit, it's a bit orange brackets ginger. I didn't no, not specifically ginger, but like it's not. It, I really do have to actively tap into it because I grew up kind of suppressing it. So I'm always really fascinated by people who can, who can force it. Because for me, it's like it'll just be there, and then I'm like, oh shit, there it is. And yeah, I'd ki- I'd kill to have that. It's weird though. Like I'm, I can't not describe things visually. Like that's why with my writing, I'm so visual because I can't describe it any other way. Like I can say, oh, it's in 12A or it's in A minor. But for me, it's all about <laughs> what it's like happening in front of my face. And 
yeah, it's a it's a weird old world in there, in that old head of mine. We'll definitely discuss that probably when I see you. You know, I'd, I'd love to know which songs are the same and try to dig into what, what things make those the same. That always interests me. What's the sort of the common denominator with synesthesia, just to try to understand it better? Can you see? This is my fucking problem. I'll sit here and now I'll just be on YouTube at 11 o'clock tonight being like, synesthesia. Uh, story of my life i'm like let's go to bed early youtube (laughs) i guess like this could be part of the rapid fire round but i guess you kind of touched on it really early on at the start almost but you know for someone who has so much extensive you know knowledge and practice in the whole music video side of things i guess it's a very very broad question but one that a lot of bands may not always think about is why are music videos still as important as they were say like you know 10 15 years ago they were obviously making a huge impact back in the day. Do you think they still have that same level of impact and gravitas that perhaps it had when we were kids growing up? Gravitas is a good word. It doesn't count unless it's tied in with the music these days. That's what I'm noticing. You can put out a pretty music video and you can look awesome and you can feel awesome about it. But as as an actual statement, it needs to go with the music and needs to have something. And I'm not talking about narrative. I'm talking about things that make you feel the song the way that they were written. As far as a, being a director goes, it's nice when someone goes, oh, this part we worked really hard on because the kicks do this here. And I go, cool, send me the isolated kick files and I'll make sure I animate some flashes to them. And so I, I don't think it holds the same water as, say, the 80s. I was thinking about this uh, quite a lot yesterday for some reason, just the whole idea that that would sell the album. That would be the thing that sells the album. It's kind of like the character of Billie Eilish sells Billie Eilish and it's brilliant. The character of your music video sells your bands. Are you Poison? Are you Van Halen? Are you Metallica? But now it's more like, what is a song about Childish Gambino's This Is America is a perfect example of when things tie together in such a way that you go, well, fuck me, that video can't exist without that song and vice versa. So that's that's how I see it, is it making sure those statements are um, considered that the visual alone might not be enough, but the thought is, is really what counts. Mm, I think that's a really good way to put it. Mm. Yeah, and- it's something that I've mused a lot on, but something that I know. I, once again, these are huge questions in my in my day to day of how can I get better at this? Because that's definitely the way to go about it. We're not in that era where mm. it is defining the industry necessarily, but we are also in an age where any man and his dog can make a music video. So, you know, the quality versus quantity is definitely a bit skewed. But- yeah, any man, any dog. John Safran actually did that. He put a camera on his dog. Oh my God, he did. And then Was that Music Jamboree? Um, yes, he is a brilliant genius. Oh my God. There you go. I've just given you your next idea for your next music video. We'll just rip off John Safran. <laughs> <laughs> so rapid fire, I'm calling it the soundcheck sound off round. It is a lightning round. Um, so just try not to overthink it. And here we go. Okay. You okay. have turned out your fair share of music videos behind the camera. What's your favorite music video and why? I'd say it's about to come out. It hasn't been released, but leading up to that, I'd say it would be anything that I've animated with no footage whatsoever. Um, Probably this artist from They Will Know Us by the Name of Our Dead. I can't actually remember the name of the band anymore, but he just gave me assets. I just animated them in three days and I got paid by Sony. And I was like, cool, that was awesome. Let's do that again. Yeah, that's that's a win, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) okay next question you have been elected as your band's fitness manager which i don't think is actually that far-fetched but what workout are you making everyone do to get them gig fit gig fit this is such a question for brenton isn't it um so gig fit it would be the main lifts it would be a squat 
a deadlift, a vertical press, horizontal press, vertical pull, horizontal pull, and then some isolated things. So that might just translate to something like squats, deadlifts, bench press, pull-ups, and overhead press, and rowing for cardio. Because there's no point screwing your knees up, jogging. You may as well just open your body up through rowing and it helps kind of engage your hip flexors and that whole hinge movement, which is the thing that really goes when we hurt our backs or anything like that. Excellent. I just failed your workout because I don't think I could get through it. So fail for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm doing at the moment because I get bored otherwise. Fair. Um, Okay. Next question. What's the first ever gig you played and what would you rate your performance out of 10? Okay. Performance are based on kissing two girls at night, eat shit. Fuck yeah. Um, High five. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. It was in a skate ring. It's the only time I've ever kissed someone after a show, by the way. It was on my 15th birthday in a skate ring in Toowoomba called Skate City. And we played a whole bunch of covers and a few originals. And it was so fun. I think I did. I was singing Megadeth. Seems only fitting with the hair situation. And yeah, I'd say that was that was a good start to the whole thing. It was just people were forced to stand in the skate ring and have fun. It was great. I probably sucked at guitar, but I had fun. <laughs> I like it. What And what would you rate out of 10? What's your performance rating for that one? That sounds like a 10 all around. Uh, probably. Let's just go with a 10 and let's just assume that I can't remember any of the mistakes. I, I can remember all my mistakes from all my seahorse shows. But I can't remember any mistakes from that, luckily. Yeah, no, let's 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 hold that to a high standard. I'd say 10 out of 10 for that. <laughs> Thanks. Next, you're in a band named after a famous animal. What's your spirit animal and why? I would have to say my spirit animal would be uh, probably a meerkat. No, no, it's too easy. A pine marten or a, or a ferret. I kind of like how like squishy and agile they are. And they smell, which I think is cute. And they have to be bathed and they have to be handled. I oh, fucking love ferrets. I just, I'm just thinking of along came Polly now and she has that blind ferret that keeps running into the walls. <laughs> yep. Give me one of those any day. So the books from the Golden, uh, Golden Compass series, Subtle Knife or the His Dark Materials trilogy, they all have little demons and that they're sort of your spirit animal. And depending on your personality, you would have a different type one. So I always thought about it in, in those terms that it would be a ferret. Cute. Sold. Okay, second last, you have access to a time machine. You can travel back to any point in time and join any other band. What band are you joining? Ah, Queen, for sure. That is the best answer. So easy. (laughs) Yeah. Are you kicking Brian out? Anyone who doesn't. No, no, fuck no, I'm playing bass. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to play guitar in that band. I I just want to groove. I love it. Well, to finish it up, I'm asking all of my guests just one extra question before I let you run away. Basically, I'm just asking you to name the sound or song that changed your life, something that kind of heavily impacted you, whether it was professionally or personally, and that still holds a special place in your sonic heart. I would have to say it would be Angry Again by Megadeth because it was the first metal song I ever heard that I recognized as metal and liked. I liked everything about it. I couldn't tell you why on a, on a musical level, and I've definitely grown out of the band now can't be dealing with some of the attitudes that Dave Mustaine has, which I'm glad I didn't know about when I was that young. But yeah, I just love the the intensity of that music. And I'll just always remember looping that song and going, what is, what is this? So yeah. Yeah. Or City Has No Empathy, Seahorse, because I heard that 
song and I was like, oh my God, what is this band? And then to be in that band later on and go, shit, yeah, I love this music. It's great. Yeah, that was actually one of the first I heard of you guys as well. So I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll allow that a second and now you get cool. to play it on stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's a whole other interview question because there's a lot to that. Well, I will leave you there at that. It has been a pleasure chatting you because I know how busy you are and you do have many other things to do, but I'm very excited to see what other creative pursuits you whip up next in the near future. But I'm sure there'll be many things to come and people can obviously keep following what you're doing with the band and with your stuff. And thank you for the chats. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Awesome, dude. Have a good night. And that brings us to the end of episode two. For those wanting to check out more of Adrian's work, you can jump online and hunt him down, or you can get lurking on the Caligula's Horse socials to catch more of his band shenanigans as well. And now, in case you missed episode one of Behind the Soundcheck featuring the delightful Brenton Page, or if you just want to catch up and keep up to date with future episodes, you can search Behind the Soundcheck on iTunes or Spotify, or you can jump over to my website, which is www.thesoundcheck.org. A huge thank you once again to Osaka Punch for my theme song and to Adrian, who also was a little bit late to a music video meeting to make the time for me. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for episode three next week. I will catch you then.